Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Thanks for joining me again for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different in that I'm actually uh, going outside the country in terms of my guest. And she happens to be a student of mine who has been involved with my online um, courses through the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. And I'd have to describe this young lady as a woman on fire for the Lord and for her country and to see that the kingdom of God is realized. So thank you, Valeria Ramirez, for joining me today. Thank you. So tell my listeners a little bit about who you are so that they have a context as I go and ask you various questions. My name is Valeria and I'm from Chile. I'm from South America. I, I'm an English teacher. I have a bachelor in education. So I, English is something that I, I've been like working for a lot. I, as you know, there are not enough uh, resources maybe in Spanish about Christian reconstructions or post-millennialism. So it's, it, it, it was a field that I felt that I should jump into it and work for it. So yeah, that's something that I've been doing right now. Um, we have some projects here in Latin, with different uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in uh, throughout uh, Latin America. So yeah, we have, I have a lot to say. <laughs> okay, very good. So you were raised in Chile. When did you become a Christian or were you raised in a Christian family? Yes, um, um, I was born in a Presbyterian family. My whole family is Presbyterian. So I've been always taught in um, this Christian so I would like my listeners to know that uh, English is not Valeria's first language. However, she is an English teacher. Not only does she have the benefit of speaking two languages, that made her very equipped to read a lot of the material that comes out of the U.S. and around the world. So growing up in a Christian household, did you go to Christian schools? Not really. Um, here in Chile, it's, it's very hard to find Christian schools that are not, I mean, I, I would say that you cannot find Christian schools that are not uh, working with the uh, state's curriculum. So it, it's, it, it's very hard to say that. So, uh, no, I, I was, um, I always, I studied in schools that were not Christians. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So how did you happen to stumble upon R.J. Rushduni, Christian Reconstruction, and um, a theonomic world and life view? It was, it was amazing because I, I got out of college, the uh, university, and I was like, I need to work for the Christian world. I need to, I, need to, I don't know, I need to take something like, um, that I would like to do. And, and give the best of me. So education is something that really 
I, I really love, I really enjoy to work within. So I was like, there are not enough books about education that would say this is not right. Having not a Christian education is, 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 is very important. So I, I got a friend that he is a Christian reconstructionist. Uh, he's from uh, the south of Chile. So, and he was like, you know, there are, uh, there are books from R.J. Rishduni. Uh, you should read it. And, and it was hard because I, I, when, I was, when I started to read uh, Rishduni, I got a lot of people saying, be careful with this stuff. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, you, you, you can imagine all that. <laughs> yeah, we get so that here too. We get that here too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was the way that I got into the uh, Christian education. It was because of Rish Duny. So you joined my class, um, I guess it's about a year and a half, two years, I don't know. We, we, go, we go every Wednesday, and yeah. it's hard to know how long anybody's been there. But one of the things that is very refreshing about you, Valeria, is that you so want to learn, and it's so obvious. And the other women who were part of the study have commented on that as well. And for me, um, you sort of remind me of what I was like when I first came across this understanding that augmented my ability to serve the kingdom of God. And so I'm always very interested in what it is you're doing and you are part of something called Instituto Rushduni. And yes. as I was looking around, there's a whole YouTube channel. And I actually knew one of my friends. I saw him on one of the videos. William oh, really? Garcia. Oh, yes. Yes. And yes. Um, I've been with William a number of times in a number of different conferences and whatnot. And what you all seem to, I mean, I couldn't understand it. My Spanish is very, very spotty. <laughs> And you all talk so fast. So I have to rely on the fact that I know that you have embraced this. So tell me how Rush Dooney's thesis is embraced where you are and why some people find it dangerous. Um, yes, yeah, so I think there are little, um, there's a few people that would say, that would call themselves as Christian reconstructionists. So at least, at least in my country, but it's something that has been growing a lot lately. I guess over a year, it's been like I, I'm like, do you know R.J. Rustini? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know him, and I, I, I like some stuff about him. But that's because there have been work. Uh, I mean, the translation work um, really. That's how it has actually got into the Latin American uh, speakers. So um, we have this project, as you mentioned. It, it was um, it, it has been something so amazing because we have met people from different parts of Latin America. So it's not. I, I think from Chile we are maybe around six people, and we have this group is about around 20%. So the rest of them are from different countries. And, and it's amazing because it, it's, it's been like a project that we have, we have found people with the same purpose of extending the uh, kingdom of God. Now, one of the things that Dr. Rushduni promotes throughout all his writings is that people should do what's in front of them, 
what they have an opportunity to do. Instead of saying, I can't do things until I have 5,000 people who will listen to me, Christian Reconstruction has always been one person at a time. And that's what I really appreciate about what you and some of the other people involved. You know, you have a big continent. I'm pretty sure that most Americans have no idea how extensive South America is because we don't pay a lot of attention. You know, when you look at a map, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, they're South America. But um, they're made up of people and economies and families and churches. And so if you're going to penetrate any place, it has to be with people who embrace the vision of the kingdom and how it starts like a mustard seed. Is that what keeps you all going? Yes, yes. And then we have seen already the results that, you know, over when, when you when you say about, I don't know, anything about Rujdini, a year ago, it would be like, oh, be careful, as I already said. And now it's like, yeah, I know him. I like some stuff though from from him, and 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 then the people start to listen to our these little discussions that we have uploaded in the in our YouTube channel. So that's how it starts when people see that individuals are willing to spend time, effort, energy, and resources on something. At least it makes them curious. Now, what a lot of our listeners may not know is that there are groups within the United States that actually have funded translations so that these books, Rashduni's materials, would be available in people's native languages. And if you go back to John Wycliffe and the Reformation, what followed, the key was getting material into the language of the people. So this effort is very much a continuation of what the Reformation was all about. And I have been taken with the fact at how much you understand. I don't know if it was a bias on my part that I don't know the people outside English speakers can understand this. (laughs) I learned very quickly that not only do you understand it, but you have a particular desire to see those around you, family, friends, fellow church members understand it as well. Yes, uh, it's something very, it's so great to see that, that little by little, we are getting this article uh, translated, or this book, or anything helps, anything, because people like me, I I, I would love to see a little uh, more Spanish resources, and every time that I get to find this article with this theonomic perspective, uh, I get so happy because it's something that you can share, and, and this is something that uh, actually social ma- media has actually helped us a lot because we have found we we have this chance to recognize uh, another Christian reconstructionist that speaks Spanish. So, and and, and actually, that's how uh, this. Instituto, this institute that um, was born, the Instituto Rusduni here in South America. That's great. That's great. So many times you have emailed me and said, is it okay if I translate this article? So you do um, a, a bit of translation yourself. Tell us a little bit about the process you go through when you translate something from English to Spanish. Well, I started to translate when 
I got the chance to read uh, Intellectual Schizophrenia. That was, it was not my first book that I read from Rushduni, but it was the first one that I read in English. So I was like, yes, this, this needs to be in Spanish. So I was like, maybe I should get the chance to translate this book. And then I got like this uh, suggestion from other brothers and sisters in Christ that told me uh, that they would tell me, you know, this article looks like needs to be translated. So I started because two reasons. One was because I felt like we needed these resources. And two, because my reading comprehension was developed a little bit further. Like it it was, uh, I had a better uh, reading comprehension. So when you get to translate, you have to read this paragraph or I don't know a sentence you have to read it not only once but you have to read it twice or even uh, three times so trying to get the idea that the author is trying to um, or or even the way that the the person is talking you have to keep it in mind and take it to the Spanish language in this case so it's something that you really need to read and you have to be really patient. And then you have to, I mean, when I finish any article or anything that I get to translate, I get really tired and I'm like, no, today I'm not going to uh, review my translator, my translation. So I, I'm going to do it maybe two days um, later because uh, it's, it's a little bit overwhelming looking at the same things that you have already worked I don't know, maybe a whole day. So <laughs> I think that that's how translation works. And, and, and yeah, it has helped me at least um, on, on my reading skills above all. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been a student of Spanish for a long time since high school. And I'm pretty convinced if I ever was forced to use it all the time, I probably would be a lot better but usually what happens is you learn it and then you try to use it and then you devolve to English because it's my native language. But one of the things I was always amazed at is how you translate idioms from one language to another. And I, one of the men who translated my first book, he and I got into a discussion once about the different <laughs> idioms from English to Spanish or to any other language that you cannot translate it word for word. Um, So is that something that you have to be aware of? If, for example, Dr. Rush Juni uses an idiom, he was as tired as a dog, or, you know, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? (laughs) Those idioms don't always translate that the people who are Spanish speakers will know what's being discussed. Yes. Um, yeah, that, this is something that it really bothers me when I get to translate. <laughs> but I had the chance to be an exchange student when I was 16 years old. I got the chance to live in Arkansas. So many idioms I have, I, I already know because I, first I was with an f- American family. They, they didn't speak, um, they don't speak uh, Spanish at all, and I got the chance to learn English from the church that we would attend that year. So I, I found myself recognizing recognizing these idioms from 
from that time. So it is hard uh, to to sometimes um, try to take this idiom to Spanish, but I think that that has helped me and in, in, in internet, of course. And, right. and actually my, my friends from the Instituto, they, they know a little bit in English, they know a little bit English, but they can read, but they cannot translate. So they know how um, Dr. Rushduni writes so i could ask them how what do you think about this paragraph or anything and they would help me out with this when i get stuck in, in, in on a text and i know that translation is the first step what happens after that is somebody else's eyes have to go on it for there to be the editing process and that happens whenever somebody's just writing in general so do you all edit each other's translations? Yes, yes. And one of the latest article that I read from the from one of the guys from the Institute, uh, uh, William Garcia got the chance to edit that uh, text. So we, we, we count on each other. And, and yes, everything has to, after being translated, after you check in your own text. Other person has to go through it and and check what you had written. Mm -hmm. So yes, it, it it is very important because sometimes you don't get um, the same. You don't get to see those mistakes that you have done because you have already been working in the same text for so many hours right. that you don't recognize those mistakes but yes it's very important that somebody else can watch what you are what you were doing what right. you did yeah because even in general the, the word that we use in english is nuance that sometimes you have to understand the subtleties of what someone is saying because okay. that may be part of his or her style so after this editing process and how many hands it passes through do you then all try to print it as books or do you save it as PDFs and distribute it that way? What's the way in which most people get this translation once you've accomplished it? Yeah, most of the time uh, we publish these uh, articles or books as PDF archives, archives, right? Is that the word? <laughs> yes, archives. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So... After you have these, uh, the PDF, you can you have the chance to print it. So it, it, it's up to you. But yeah, most of the time we work with the with with this kind of archives, um, the PDF, because you can send them like right away. I I think that there are some organizations that have like uh, take some articles from different places and have published books, but. At least that has not happened here in Chile. Mm -hmm. Okay, but okay. that's that's one of the things that what we want to do as an institute that we want to print resources, to print articles, and maybe um, we are planning to do a um, magazine. So there are so many things that we want to do, and and that's and I can tell you a little bit about that. I mean, that's one of the things that we want to do. Okay. Yeah. Now, 
this sounds like that most of those who are involved with this are doing it as volunteers. Um, you don't have a big philanthropist who is funding this. <laughs> so is this part of how you use your own tithes and offerings to further this work? Yes. Uh, for now, the Institute has, is not working uh, with tithes, but uh, the time when we, we, because right now we are trying to organize everything that we are doing. So we don't have any expense uh, right now, but uh, I, I, I really think that we, we are going to need that sometimes when we want to uh, publish or do any activity um, within the Institute. Till now, we have everything that we have done is because of we are volunteers, we are giving our time um, and, and gifts uh, for these uh, costs. Yes, yes. Now, I've had the honor, quite frankly, of having a number of my books translated into Spanish. And something that actually was funny to me, one of the books... I gave it to somebody from the Dominican Republic to read. And she was like, no, 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 no. That's not the way you say things. And it had come from somebody who was from Guatemala, I think, who had translated it and somebody else from Costa Rica. <laughs> and so what is it? How do you standardize? I mean, as I said, South America and Latin America in general is a big area. So do you have to adapt some sort of standard or do you just figure what you know from where you were raised, et cetera, and you hope that people understand? Yeah, that, this, this is so funny. And at the same, so something that's so rich, culturally speaking, because yes, we have different kind of uh, Spanish accents. So uh, it happened to me that in one of the studies that we are doing right now about the Institute of Biblical Law, we have um, two of us are Chileans and the other two guys are from Colombia and from Panama. So, and, and sometimes I wouldn't understand what they were saying. So, um, yes, you have to kind of find uh, like a um, middle kind of level of Middle ground, we call it middle ground. Yes, middle ground. Thank you. So, yes, there, there are many idioms that actually, for example, Chileans would understand, but a Colombian wouldn't understand. So we are trying to work on that. But yes, yes, you, you need to have like a standard Spanish. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's one of the things that I have learned over the decades that I have been a Christian and specifically working with a Christian reconstruction mindset. It's great to tell people what you're doing, but rarely do people understand the drudgery of actual work. It's not that you don't love it and that you don't want to do it for the Lord, but we, you've just described a process that takes hours and hours. And even after you're done, someone else can say, Valeria, I don't think you captured that correctly mm -hmm. and you have to go back. But I applaud such activity because such is how the kingdom of God grows. Committed people who are willing to do the hard work that doesn't always get a lot of applause. People will applaud the publication of a book and say, oh, that's wonderful, but have very little idea of what it takes to produce it. Yeah. 
and, and it's true because I, I I've been translating not stopping since maybe uh, uh, a year, and I I I I I used to work in a Christian school, kind of as I already said about the Christian school. Um, I worked with this whole crazy thing that you have to teach online, but you have to be in the classroom. And and when I got my holidays, I dedicate all my time for translating and trying to work different projects. And my family wouldn't understand it <laughs> at all. <laughs> they were like, why are you doing this? Or uh, is somebody paying for this for your time? And I'm like, no, really, but I, I I'm happy to do it. I because I, I like to learn. I, that's one of the things that calls my attention on the re, uh, Christian reconstructionists that they are always wanting to learn more and to be a little bit to to understand every area of life. So lately, I found myself trying to understand a little bit of on economics. So yeah. Anyways. Uh, no, no, I, yeah. I totally get it. When I described <laughs> you as a woman with a mission, I meant it. And the thing about people with missions, if you read their biographies, missionaries from times past, um, a lot of the day in, day out is not glamorous. And it often takes a toll on people. So I look at this group of translators in Latin America as missionaries to your own people. And whether mm -hmm. or not they understand the benefit, hopefully, in years to come, you will your work will be looked back on and say, we so appreciate that these people did that. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that has helped this growing Christian reconstructionist uh, in South America is because of the coronavirus. <laughs> there are so many things that we have Christian reconstruction would say before, I mean, would stand for, and we have this virus, everything was shut down, and, and the only ones that had some answer to this time was the Christian Reconstructionists. And, and, and then we got heard, we got people hearing what we had to do, or, or I mean, uh, what we had to say. Right. So, yeah, it, it's been crazy times. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure when the history books are written that there won't be chapters on the blessings of the coronavirus pandemic shutdown <laughs> because of the work that was able to be done. Yeah. So give me a little bit of a sense on, since you know American culture, having lived here a while and interacted with people who live in America and being in Chile, is Latin America at the same level of receptivity as your perception of America? Or is Latin America behind or ahead of North America or the United States? I would say that we are kind of behind. <laughs> but when I, I got the chance to travel, it wasn't that different. It, it just the culture is different. Uh, the people, the, how the people relate with each other is different. And one of the things that called my attention, and actually I have a cousin that she she's starting to listen to me about uh, reconstruction and she's and she was like you know here in in america um americans are like very they have this sense of community 
And if you need something, I, I, I can uh, I can get it for you. I don't know if you have a baby. They have this uh, network, they, the mom's network, where they can help each other. And 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 she was like, I hope that would that would happen in Chile. That I don't know. There there were times where moms who are uh, first mom. I don't know if that works. Is <laughs> first time mom. <laughs> like, yeah first time mom um they would support each other like like here so uh i think that's that's one of the things that are very different from americans and latin america and i think the christian christian uh influence is something very different here we have a lot of paganism so uh, it, it, it has its impact in in the in our culture Absolutely. Yeah. If you wanted people to pray for Latin America, pray for your efforts, do you have specific things that if people said, I'd love to help this effort, what could they do that would be of assistance to you all? I, I think that we have a lot, of, a, a lot to do. And sometimes we don't have the time. So I guess it, it's just, I, I would like people praying for uh, getting more hands to work with us, to get into these projects that we are right now building. And, uh, and that's it, because I, I, I don't think that right now we need something like uh, material or money for now. I, I think that that's what we need. We need hands and time. Right. So if there were people listening who are truly bilingual and have an interest in this, I guess that most anybody who can speak both languages can do the first draft or the first pass at translation, and they wouldn't have to be concerned on being perfect because you do have mm -hmm. a team of people who could then review it and then yes. edit it. So it sounds like, since I know personally a lot of bilingual people who are Christian, that um, if they would like to become a part of this, would they just go to the Instituto and, you know, leave a message there? How would they reach you? Yes. Well, we have our Facebook page and they can uh, text us through there and we would contact them. And yes, we need people uh, that actually, if they can help with translating, it, it would be great. And actually, we are looking for people that would speak Brazilian because we have Brazil and and we don't have any Brazilian uh, or a Portuguese speaker. So yeah, everything helps. Yeah, you can contact us through that page in Facebook. And what's the name of the Facebook page? Instituto Ruchduni. Okay. Just like now Institute, but with uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, Instituto, right? Instead, instead of an E and O. Now, there are um, some of my books have been translated into Portuguese. So, I guess one of the reasons that I was motivated to bring you on to the podcast is so that not only would you find people who would say, "Oh, I could do that. I could devote some time," but to connect you with other people in your big continent who are already doing things. And I think that's really how. A movement grows when like-minded people find each other and are mm -hmm. able to assist in each other's particular mission. Yes, yes. As I have already told uh, told you, is 
connecting people like from different countries is then like every day i get to meet different people uh, on facebook or even in within the instituto so yes it, it is a great way to to meet people and to learn from them and, and have uh, hands as i already said well very good I hope people will check out your website, will check out your Facebook page, will check out your YouTube channel. And um, maybe if they browse around enough, they will lose a hesitation if they are capable of actually participating with your efforts. I'm so excited, Valeria, because it's so easy for me to just be focused on my city, my state, my country. And the truth is, America has been very prominent in history since its inception, but it's faulty thinking to think that's where God is necessarily going to work. There's lots of other places out there besides the United States. There's Asia, there's Africa, there's you know Latin America in general. So I'm mm -hmm. so encouraged that there's a group of you, however small, remember the apostles weren't that many when they started yeah. out either, that um, are doing this work. It's a real encouragement to me. Thank you. Yes, uh, it, having people that would tell us, uh, you know, like like you, that you are now um, being encouraged, it, it helps us, it, it, it keeps us moving. And thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So listeners, I really encourage you to check out all these resources. And thanks for joining me today. And if you want to be in contact with me, maybe you want me to liaise between this group and you, you can reach me at outofthequestionpodcast at gmail.com. And I'll talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.